Fix Insider February 16th. Merchant. Is there still life in fast last mile? The markets seem to think so, rewarding delivery hero with a surge in share price after they announced a 9% revenue increase and suggested 2024 EBITDA would be 3x that in 2023. They also seem re-signed to keeping their Asian brand Food Panda after the sale collapsed. We see a handful of major players dominating the delivery of food in all states, takeaway, fast top-ups of drinks and sweets and some grocery, big shop home delivery and meal kits. The challenge will be how they work with the big grocery retailers who see some or all of this as a core competence. Wish pioneered e-commerce and when floated in 2020 were valued at around $17 billion, though their IPO hiccuped on launch day. Since then the marketplace business has suffered as customers complained about goods that primarily came from China, most of the million-plus sellers were Chinese. With stories about counterfeits and unhappy customers Wish has dropped from app stores and search engine listings and entered a decline, resulting in a sale this week for $173 million, about 1% of the IPO value. This interview with the founder from 2016 has lots of insights into a business that learned lots from China and now may help us better understand Temu and Shine. It's intriguing that Temu wasn't apparently interested in the Wish business, as they are actively trying to grow the number of sellers in their marketplace, but favor US and European ones. Some are questioning the temerity of Temu, they are spending money like water, so much they are instrumental in the healthy growth in meta-ad revenue and running no fewer than three ads in the Super Bowl and two ads in the post-game content. At $6 million or $7 million a pop that's likely a $30 million spend, plus a $15 million giveaway in deals and coupons. As we have mentioned they need to shift from customer acquisition to customer retention and this spending spree suggests they are still focused on the former. Morgan Stanley is losing faith, telling clients of slowing growth. Per our latest data, the number of households shopping on Temu continues to fall, now about 20% lower than September 2023, with future purchase intentions also lower than most other discounters slash e-tailers in our survey. Despite Temu buying millions of monthly app downloads, US web traffic and app usage data also shows stalling slash moderating uptake since October, even through the holiday period. App download velocity also now seems to be stalling. Any Chinese business gets a lot of scrutiny, especially in the US and there are rumors of bad practice around data and privacy. This Snopes report is a few months old but still useful. The question is Temu legit is presently ubiquitous on the internet, thanks to Temu's aggressive ad buys, its apparent comfort at operating at a loss, and its flashy low prices. On the one hand, you will likely be able to buy and eventually receive cheap products that are similar to the products advertised on its site. In that sense, the website is legit. On the other hand, the methods Temu's parent company uses, including its open disregard for privacy regulation and its desire to cheat its competition and harvest personal data for profit, are extremely concerning to U.S. security regulators. While there is presently no evidence that Temu itself is malware, the corporate history and business ethics of PDD holdings makes these concerns legitimate, as well. One significant factor in the growth of both Temu and Shine is their reliance on the de minimize rule meaning goods worth less than $800 avoid custom scrutiny and hence tariffs. The report found that Shine and Temu are likely responsible for more than 30% of all packages shipped to the U.S. each day under the de minimis provision, and they likely represent nearly half of such shipments to the U.S. that originate in China, or about 600,000 packages a day. In 2021, more than 60% of all de minimis shipments came from China, according to the report. A Wall Street Journal report suggests politicians and some of the relevant regulatory bodies favor changing this rule. Maybe their days are numbered but with Amazon disclosing that over 50% of their top sellers in the US are Chinese the key beneficiary would be Amazon.
robot stores will keep Japan's labor costs down, FT, with wages set to rise, the convenience shop sector needs automation. New TV. Thoughts on Walmart would usually end up in the merchant section but their latest deal has ramifications for the TV business too. Walmart have been both aggressive and strategic in their acquisitions, with Jet, Bonobos and more giving them a presence in DTC and Ecom and helping them fast-track capabilities which benefit the core business. They are now selling off some DTC brands but rumored to be about to buy TV manufacturer Vizio for $2 billion. Walmart is Vizio's biggest customer and Vizio is the top-selling TV brand in Walmart so it's a neat deal, especially with Vision stock currently less than half the value when it was floated. But the smart thing about the deal is the opportunity to reshape the Walmart ad business, using its first-party data on customers to serve ads on Vizio TVs. Vizio has around 8% of smart TV operating systems versus the 17% of Amazon and the 25% of Roku. Walmart already manufactures TVs and other electrical goods through its on-brand, using either the Roku operating system or the Google TV One. Netflix have announced plans for their first IRL Upfronts event. This New York session will be a first-look presentation for major brands and their agencies to hear of new content and new ad opportunities. One winning strategy by Netflix has been to localize the service with local content, then finding a wider audience for a French show like Lupin, a Korean show like Squid Game or a British one like One Day. In Africa a South African firm is beating Netflix, just, with a focus on localized content. Showmax has built strong relationships with talent across Africa and supplements local programming with an HBO partnership and Premier League rights. Comcast bought a 30% stake in 2023. As the new JV between Disney, Fox and Warner around sports gets finalized a former Apple exec is leading candidates to be CEO. Pete Distad led the Apple team that negotiated their deals with sports leagues including the 10-year agreement with Major League Soccer. Peter Kafka on how YouTube has become one of the biggest pay TV services in the U.S. Advertising The global lead on advertising at McKinsey reminds us of the value of advertising, in a new opinion piece called The Sea Changes That Are Upending Advertising. Advertising is an amazing industry. It's worth about a trillion dollars globally, grows above GDP, and is either the primary business model or one of the fastest growing ones for at least five of the top 10 companies by global market cap. Advertising matters to traditional media companies and tech giants, big brands and small businesses, agencies and other ad services and tech providers, and now even to non-media consumer companies that are starting advertising businesses. A long FT piece looks at how AI is transforming the business of advertising and opens with a story of how each Publicis employee started this year with a video message from the chief executive thanking them personally, by name and in their first language, for their hard work. Great. But back in 2019, Working with my friends at Spirable, we pitched the tech to no end of agencies, including many owned by Publicis. Takeup was okay but mainly for test campaigns although one huge success was a campaign with PlayStation to give players a personalized video featuring all their gaming stats since joining PS4. That five-year lag between the tech being available and it getting adopted in the mainstream highlights the challenge for agencies, do they have enough talent who really get tech? The end of the FTP sums up the challenge too. But where and how brands advertise is likely to fundamentally change in the next decade. Unless advertising agencies keep pace, the technology they are championing may yet replace them. The Institute of Practitioners in Advertising obviously see the agency role as crucial and have a new report that presents evidence and arguments for treating brand marketing as a sustained strategic investment in a company's long-term business priorities, and not simply as a cost to manage. Titled Marketing as an Investment This report looks to be a useful tool to persuade people to invest. But, in a schoolboy error, they have decided to charge for the report. 
I would send it, for free, to every CEO in the UK. Traditional ads are struggling in the meantime. The Guardian is looking at a £12 million hole as ad revenue misses forecasts. When writing this, the front page of the Guardian website has a 468 by 60 banner for TV licensing floating in the middle of white space about the masthead. It is served by DoubleClick and is earning the Guardian pennies. Can't we do better than that? The CEO of Channel 4 talks of a deep crisis. The whole challenge is how you reinvent yourself as a broadcaster and become digital, Mahan says. That is what we have to do now, that is what everyone else is doing. We get a lot of attention but it is happening everywhere. It is exactly the same as has happened to retail and has happened to print, and I don't think it is easy. Compare us to others and I think we are well ahead. Channel 4 find that ads are out of touch with social class badly used. They find that class is the last acceptable stereotype in the media industry and representation and portrayal of working class people in advertising is both low and poor. And people still as ABC1 as a target. Is the media prepared for an extinction-level event? The New Yorker ads are scarce, search and social traffic is dying, and readers are burned out. The future will require fundamentally rethinking the press's relationship to its audience. AI. Good article on how publishers are facing up to AI. Publishers and CEOs across the industry agree AI is an existential threat to the future of journalism, and their businesses have spent the past year wrestling with a conundrum. Inc. a deal with the AI players or fight it out in court. Do the CEOs and publishers of these trusted news brands prefer paying journalists' salaries or attorney fees? Google are keeping up the momentum of the Gemini launch, with a Google exec being very sharing on Twitter. The FT asks the dollar trillion question, can open AI create superintelligence before it runs out of cash? The FT on Jason Rorier and his chatbot that imitates the dead. Is it a good idea? TLDR, no. And this is more on the documentary based on the work of Rorer, Eternal You. Next up, your chatbot wellness coach. Ad, tech. That sad little banner ad on the Guardian homepage is probably part of a buy across thousands of websites, with programmatic showing it wherever someone thought to be in the target audiences shows up. The trade desk are talking steps to make it easier to avoid this insanity with a curated set of 500 quality publications. And a Barry Diller-owned publisher shared good news. IAC-owned-Meredith saw healthy margins, an increase in traffic and better ad pricing in Q4, which led to a 9% YI increase in digital ad revenue to $284 million. Progress in Retail Media Measurement, the IAB have shared their guidelines and SNAP selects FOSFA as measurement partner for retail e-commerce. Good use case on how Bayer is using creative analytics to cure its data divide. Plus plus. TikTok seems to have a lot of far-right content and this analysis of how far-right populist alternative for Germany, UFT, uses the platform is disturbing. TikTok gurus made property investing look easy. I lost thousands, the economist on TikTok property guru Samuel Leeds. In our latest good TikTok creative we looked at how US insurance firm State Farm were using TikTok to promote their Super Bowl ad and it worked, the ad was the highest rated. The creator era is here, Taylor Swift, the Super Bowl, and the new centers of the media universe. New podcast where Benedict Evans goes hands-on with the Apple Vision Pro. Bloomsbury raises profit outlook as it hails phenomenon Sarah J. Moss and credits book talk as shaping the publishing industry more than you could imagine, FT. The Hubermanization of America, by Rex Woodbury, great example of the power of podcasting.